Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, White Sox fans, it's Brett Ballantini. The Southside Sox podcasts are coming fast and furious here at the beginning of the season. We're already at podcast number 35. And welcoming back, I think this might be a first actual Southside Sox podcast. Can't say for sure. We'd have to look in the archives. We are welcoming back. It's Darren Black, Darren Jackson, you know, hyphenate. We yeah. will get the explanation one day. Either but, or, either or. But welcome back. Darren. Uh, Darren's going to be doing a lot of our minor league coverage this year, assuming, knock on wood, we have a minor league season, but he's got an early jump on that in giving us sort of a rundown of the alternate site roster that's going to be playing in Schaumburg, technically overlapping pretty well with the future Charlotte Knights, if they actually get down to Charlotte to play, but perhaps not exactly. We'll get in, we'll mine down into some of the details there. Uh, we are recording on Friday. This is going to run over the weekend. Uh, so let's lead off, Darren, with uh, the news of Friday and something we sort of knew was building, I guess, all week. And that is the Major League debut of Andrew Vaughn, who, in fact, tonight in Anaheim is going to be starting his first Major League game at a position he hasn't played in college or professionally. And that is left field. So please, no holds barred. Give me your thoughts on Andrew Vaughn in left field. I, obviously the Eloy injury uh, screwed up a ton um, and they have to find the offense somewhere because if they were going to keep Eloy in left, they obviously didn't care about the defense already out there. Um, And it's hard to say if someone can be as bad as him out there, but he obviously hasn't played left. Um, Definitely not in the professional uh, career that he's, the limited professional career he's had, but um, it's, definitely something to keep an eye out as long as he doesn't 
get injured by the stadium, I would consider it as a success. But, I mean, he's there for the bat. Um, so I'm, for tonight's game or Friday night's game, uh, I'm definitely more looking at the bat. Just maybe have Luis Robert play left center and center field at the same time and yeah. Vaughn can kind of hide out there. You know, at the same time, Tony La Russa has said that he expects, uh, at worst, the basement for Vaughn to be uh, an above average left fielder, which is interesting. He also, I think, has instructed Vaughn pretty much to play from wherever they're positioning him to the line. And Luis Robert takes everything else, which Luis Robert wants to do anyway. Now, if Vaughn can stick to that, and I guess a guy who's never played and left, who might be, I don't want to say tentative, but it is new to him, maybe that instruction is actually easier to take on than Aloy is taking it on because clearly though most of his mishaps have happened at the wall and in the net. So those are technically like his safe zones to cover. Uh, it doesn't seem like he has quite a spatial grasp of where he needs to play in left field, the way that maybe Vaughn might actually be able to apply this being a first time experience for him. Yeah. Yeah. He, he should be more careful out there since he's not been out there before. I think that uh, is fair to say. Um, and I know when he was drafted, some people were saying he can also play third base. So he's a little bit more athletic in your normal first baseman, um, but it's still going to be uh, different than anything else that he's done um, at, at least uh, since 2017. Um, I'm not sure if he did it in college ever, because uh, if he did in college, then maybe he has some experience with that. Yeah, but it'll uh, definitely be something to watch. Yeah, in uh, Trevor Lyons' uh, piece that we're running this weekend as well, um, he, I think, dug into it. He has never played outfield in college. I think he's confirmed he played outfield in high school. In but high he did school, not yeah. play at uh, Cal either. So he doesn't have to have that to draw on. But, yeah, maybe that, maybe that is a positive. And, and if he has some adequate defensive instincts, I think it says something that he is open to doing this. Not that a rookie is necessarily going to pout and say no, but this guy is a blue chip pick and he would have yeah. the right to push back and say are you kidding me which is what many fans are reacting yeah. um so the fact that he is sort of open not just in a, necessarily in a take one for the team uh, aspect but you know, it is open to it Ho hopefully all that points to as you say um no debilitating injuries that's the minimum yeah yeah don't take I mean, yourself out for the season yeah versatility is the new thing that everybody needs to have uh, so it's a, at the very minimum, it's nice to see that he can play other positions because there's a lot of guys on the team that can't really move out of their specified spot at the moment. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, the other curious roster choice for the major league roster before we get to the alt site would be keeping three catchers, which I think was something a lot of people were anticipating. It's just the three catchers they kept weren't necessarily names we expected. Your main Mercedes made this, uh, roster right out of camp a year late because you would have expected him to make it out of the uh, truncated spring mm -hmm. uh, 2020. He didn't have a particularly good spring, although he did flash an arm and maybe uh, yeah, ability did. to, uh, I guess he found the arm that I think he, he brought to the organization. Yeah. He's got but a good arm. his, his role is well, I don't know what it is. So uh, was that as curious to you or, or do you see him being able to, to forge a little bit of time or what the heck? It's just the 26th man. Yeah, I'll, I'll say it this way. I if Eloy stayed healthy, I don't think Yermin would have made the team. I think they just are trying to find bats because they think they've got the pitching um, to keep like last night uh, with the loss 4 three. 
Um, they think they have the pitching to keep them in each and every game. They just need the hitting to bring themselves up. Um, so I don't think he would have made it. Um, and I don't, um, I mean, to be honest, they really only have one defensive catcher currently because uh, Dak Collins is, he's, he's, he's much better than what they uh, experts said when he was drafted, uh, but still obviously nowhere near Yasmani Grandal and Sebi Zavala still probably has uh, a better game call than him. Um, but they just got to find, they just got to find runs. So might as well just see if he's learned from his uh, experience last season in the majors, you mean, um, and see if he can actually adjust and actually put the barrel on the bat like he's been able to do in his minors career when he, when he was yeah. circulating Twitter about every other day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's a, I think he self promotes. I think I have seen himself promote uh, before. Yes, he does. Um, he's got okay. big guns on his arms. The last um, roster spot actually did seem to come down to, well, all right, let's just call it the 25th, whatever. Um, maybe a Danny Mendick versus a Jake Lamb. Jake Lamb comes in, and sort of takes that spot that could very well have gone a minute. I don't think there's any guarantee there. Uh, is that along those lines of the big offensive thinking then too? Let's take a shot with Jake Lamb, who is, uh, I guess the, the, the best case scenario is that he provides some nice punch and Mendick, uh, he gives versatility, but he's not going to give you any offensive punch. Yeah. And Mendick's primary positions are in the middle, uh, second and short. Uh, Jake Lamb can at least play third, and we know Yohan Moncada, um, though uh, he like pushes through a lot of the nicks and nacks that he gets throughout a season, um, it seems like they're going to try to keep everybody healthy for this, obviously, 60 games last season, now back to 162, so they just kind of have to go through all that. Um, and I'm sure they're going to try to see if they can find that bat when he was an all-star back in 2017, but again, that hasn't really been there for him for a while. Um, so if... If you want to call him the 26th man, I would call him the 26th man because he's not as good as he used to be. But if you can find that bat, then maybe he actually takes the DH position uh, if Collins and Mercedes don't step up um, like they haven't yet so far. Is this a, um, is any of the group among Billy Hamilton, uh, Jake Lamb and Mercedes, uh, which one is most playing for his White Sox career when Adam Inga comes back? Cause clearly there's going to be a move there. I guess the natural thought would be Hamilton. Uh, but who do you think is the one to go assuming they all perform about what you'd think they would and nobody really distinguishes themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I would also agree. Hamilton, um, even though Engel has been a much better hitter, uh, especially last season, uh, sample size uh, you can regard or disregard. Um, but he's obviously him, and and he's also got speed. So if you're looking for a late inning Andrew Vaughn, maybe you should get out of left field um, for the last couple innings, then Engel or Hamilton should take that spot pretty easily. Um, so I would say Hamilton, but I don't – I'm not 100% sure because he would have to be um, – he would have to be sent down. I believe he would actually have to be waived. Uh, and I don't think anyone is claiming uh, Billy Hamilton at this point in his career. Um, I, I read earlier that he regards himself a bit more as Terrence Gore at this point. And I don't think he's as uh, subpar a hitter as Terrence Gore. Um, but he's definitely at that point in his career where he's defensive replacement speed guy. Well, anybody might not be claiming Billy Hamilton, but Darren... We did. 
But that indicts the offseason. And we're not talking about the year. We are talking about the alt site. So some names that you highlight in the piece that, uh, you know, we can at least quickly address on the hitting side that we haven't already talked on are sort of the, um, the compatible, if you will, outfielders of Luis Gonzalez and Blake Rutherford. And you figure Luis maybe has a slight edge because he's actually played in the majors mm-hmm. before, but I'm curious to know if that is going to hold Sebi Zavala as the catcher who can actually catch. And then Gavin Sheets, who I did like the fact that uh, you highlighted that he lost 15 pounds to become <laughs> a corner outfielder, but uh, the organization wants to see the guy succeed. And apparently this is going to be the way for him to do it. So I'm curious, uh, your assessments, maybe of those guys, maybe starting with uh, sort of the Gonzalez versus Rutherford, because no one has distinguished themselves. The White Sox are just signing Cubans to eventually take the spots that are going to be vacated in the outfield and disregarding some of these so-called blue chips, where you can even throw a Mike Rodolfo in that group. Uh, so do you see anything coming out of that? Or are they going to just troll the waiver wire for Billy Hamilton's of the world if there is another injury? Yeah, well, I think they already proved that to us because they did patrol, <laughs> patrol the world for Billy Hamilton and gave a lot of at-bats to, at to Nikki Williams over, over spring. Yeah. Um, but I just chose uh, Gonzalez as Rutherf- instead of Rutherford as a more likely up because when they did finally call people up uh, last season, um, I mean, I don't, I don't think he played more than a handful of games, Luis Gonzalez did, um, but he was up there. Um, and he did get a lot more time this spring than Blake Rutherford as well. Um, and to go off on the Eloy uh, spot as well, I think at this point, Gonzalez probably has more, a bit more punch in his bat than Rutherford. Not that much more, but Rutherford just not, even in his minors career, has just not uh, shown the power that uh, some might have expected when they got him from the Yankees uh, during the rebuild. Um, but it, Gonzalez uh, can play more of the outfield um, and is actually able to play center. So if Hopefully this does not happen, but if Luis Robert gets hurt, uh, Luis Gonzalez probably comes up and then yeah. at least uh, uh, platoons that spot. Is um, uh, The thing that's interesting is, is Chris Getz last summer at the alt site was really hyping up Rutherford pretty much second to Vaughn in terms of what he was showing offensively and some of the pop he was showing, but not that he got a chance to show up, but he flashed none of that in the spring. And that's the time you have to, you know, Vaughn in his first spring in 2020, along with Mercedes. I mean, those guys were like close to uh, short cactus league MVPs because both were playing mm-hmm. deep into games and they were having quality at bats. Uh, we didn't see that from Rutherford even then. Uh, we didn't see it this year in spring training. And at some point you got to wonder if, you know, if Getz is just, uh, you know, hyping the air uh, because, you know, at some point we do have to see, he's still young, but at some point we have to see it. Yeah. I, I would, I would think he was just hyping the air. Cause I also saw a quote that said he's really doing well pulling the ball like really hitting it hard, pulling the ball. And you're supposed to do that. <laughs> you're supposed to hit it well when you pull it. So I'm not, I, I think he's, I think if anyone's playing for their White Sox career of the people we've mentioned, it's probably Blake Rutherford. Cause uh, I could actually see uh, teams uh, claiming him like a Tigers or Orioles. Mm-hmm. Um, like those guys when the White Sox were claiming AJ Reeds of the world. Yeah. Um, so that's just that's just the way it goes. They had a fantastic outfield depth. The guys that deserved it are in the majors now, and the guys that didn't deserve it are still hovering at AAA. We're talking with a minor White Sox minor league watchdog, Darren Black. 
Uh, we're going to take a quick break and come right back, talk a little bit about the pitching side of the alt side, and I, I suppose the minor league, uh, the major league roster as well. So hold tight for just a minute. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey there, White Sox fans. It is Southside Sox podcast number 35. And I'm here with Darren Black, our, I got to say, minor league experts on the site. We got a lot of people who write on the minors. We have Julie Brady taking, I think, two or three nights in the minor league update this year. And she always has an incredibly uh, creative and bizarre take on the games that she's watching and experiencing. And, and, and Darren Black is going to be taking his share of regular game turns as well, including uh, the weekly uh, update of uh, all the minor league affiliates and the monthly. So, which also highlights some of the better players or some of the more, or some of the guys who are even disappointing that we're expecting more out of at each level. So that's something that hopefully once we get the season rolling in May, we're going to be able to look forward to that. We've been away from for a couple of years. We've been away from Darren Black for a couple of years. So welcome back, Darren. Thank you. I'm back. <laughs> all right. On the pitching side, there was a lot of consternation about this whole Nick Turley, um, Harvard Westlake connection, of the Harvard Westlake connection Turleys uh, versus Jose Ruiz for the last spot in the pen. Jose Ruiz won that. It seemed like a foregone conclusion that whoever was cut was going to be claimed on waivers and not make it to the alt site. And that turned out to be not true. Rick Hahn played some sort of hunch there. Uh, and during the chaotic time of all the cut down there, right at the end of spring training and did sneak Nick uh, Turley through. And he is going to be, I guess, available to, uh, receive instruction that would have him throwing a few more strikes because it seems like he's not able to do that at age 31. So uh, were you surprised that Turley was not chosen for that last spot in the pen and, or does it even matter? Uh, I was surprised uh, just as so far as to say that they don't really have many lefties, um, not even just on their 26 man roster, but on the 40 man roster in general. Yeah. Um, so that was my lone surprise, but I, I do know Evan Marshall's uh, changeup is nasty against lefties. So maybe they're just going to use him more in that kind of role. Um, and it, Jay Spry wasn't moved to the 60 day. So um, I guess he might be coming back sooner than many of us thought. Um, but that's basically my only surprise. I don't view one of them really much better than the other. Both throw hard, one from the left, one from the right. Um, Jose, Jose Ruiz obviously is a bit younger, um, but not really much difference in terms of level there. A guy I was impressed with, and this could have perhaps uh, helped make the decision, and you mentioned him in, in your alt site piece, and that's Cody Medeiros, a guy who hasn't really shown much, a whole lot with the White Sox for fans to get excited about, but I think this spring he did. Uh, he showed that he could take on maybe a little bit of leverage again, spring, spring stats, whatever, but they play the game, so you got to go, you got to take something out of it. Uh, that might have given the White Sox a little more confidence because, as you point out in the piece, they have 
and just said they really have no lefty depth. Jacob Lindgren's a guy who's just like seemingly hung around for quite a while and didn't distinguish himself this spring. So Maderos may have even leapt into the, you know, the, the first lefty up. Bennett Souza didn't exactly show that maybe he was not quite ready for, mm-hmm. for that much prime time. So Maderos might be a guy who, who gave Han enough ease of mind to say, all right, if, if we do lose Turley, maybe this is a guy we could get if, if, we, if it gets to that. Yeah, Cody Medeiros, he, well, we got him from Milwaukee. He used to be a starter that didn't really work out, and so they moved him to the bullpen. Um, and he was much better in the bullpen uh, than he was as a starter. Um, and you could see that in spring. I, I, he threw five innings, didn't allow a run. Um, so if if another person has to go in the 60-day because he's not on the 40-man roster, you could see him up because um, that's really where their depth is lacking in the bullpen. It's a fantastic bullpen, but if something goes wrong with uh, maybe Jace Fry, like doesn't come, like goes to the alternate site, um, has a, a setback, and they have to get somebody else ready with that, um, he could come up. He also obviously used to start, so he could be the long man, even though it seems like Kopech uh, is going to be throwing yeah. two or three innings whenever, he, whenever he's out there uh, in whatever her role he's doing. Um, but yeah, he definitely is a good option. Um, but I mean, the lefties they have right now are so far and away better than anything else yeah. in their system. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if they go out at the deadline and search for another one or just kind of see who's walking the street um, and sign them to see what they've got. Um, but righties, the righties in the bullpen, they've got are pretty good. Yeah. Uh, you know, knock on wood, no injuries, no, no performance problems. It comes down to Reese probably uh, getting sent or attempted to be sent to the alternate site when Jace Fry is ready to come back. And then you've got yeah. your 13 man staff. That's, that's really about as good as you could have hoped it to be. Yeah. Yeah. Once Jace Fry comes back, I expect Ruiz to go down and then that's your, your playoff ready bullpen right there. And a really good one at that. Let's talk a little bit. And this encompasses the alt site. Uh, let's talk about starter depth because the white Sox don't have it. Um, and we are hoping for the very positive uh, fumes uh, that uh, Dylan Cease threw out there and certainly Carlos Redone threw out there to, to, to significantly man that fourth and fifth spot to the point where Redone doesn't get hurt. So we get maybe close to a full year out of him. Cease, you know, sort of like surfs the wave and, and you know, and, and stays on the board. But okay, you know, there's clearly going to be injury. There's going to be a need for uh, a breather for guys. Uh, certainly Keuchel, I, I don't necessarily see him taking 32 starts. But at any rate, uh, the depth or, or, or lack thereof, um, clearly uh, Kopech might be called on for sort of a fake start where it maybe goes 3-4. Uh, I suppose you could argue the same for Crochet, maybe 2-3. But then it's Ronaldo Lopez and it's Jonathan Stever and Bernardo Flores Jr. is now gone. Um, did that situation in losing Flores go from bad to worse for the Sox? Because they they don't have starters. Am, am I wrong? Uh, no, the starters that they have in their system that are ranked higher up, they're all 1920. They're not they're not coming up this year. They aren't gear crochet and really polished, have a really good pitch. Uh, or really polished pitch. Um, and so we're not probably seeing any of them. Uh, Jonathan Stever uh, is the highest ranked guy, uh, according to MLB.com, uh, in the alt site. He's eighth in their top prospects list. Uh, he didn't look so hot when he came up last year, but he went from uh, Winston-Salem, Birmingham, straight to Major League Baseball, which 
uh, you only have so many Greer crochets and Chris sales, so they can't always make that jump. Um, but yeah, if someone gets hurt in the starting rotation and they don't think Kopech's ready to take that spot, it's probably Reynaldo Lopez up again to start however many uh, games they need, which I don't know how most people feel about that, but they, I mean, they traded Dane Dunning for Lance Lynn. So that's what they, that's what happened. Yeah. yeah the, exactly. the signing a guy. That's true. Uh, yeah. Good point. Again, sort of dipping into an off season podcast, which unfortunately um, we didn't do <laughs> together there and, and could have. Uh, okay. The, uh, all right. So started up rough and yeah, it's sort of like, those are going to be the games we're really going to have to hit apparently if Ronaldo's up there, mm-hmm. because uh, you know, you hope for the best and you hope he comes back. You hope last year he came back from the site. I remember hearing talk about uh, from Ricky and, and everyone that, you know, he sort of needed that wake up call. He took it mm-hmm. on the chin. Uh, it was, it was a, ma- a maturity move for him. He came back and I think he did have an appearance that was all right. And then it was sort of still the same Ronaldo Lopez. And obviously in the spring, similar thing happened, had one really mm-hmm. nice start. They, they, the White Sox threw out that video that got hyped where it's like, Hey, we got your curveball back, yeah. Ronaldo and Ronaldo's talking like, yeah, I'm feeling good. And then the catcher, I mean, it was Luke Roy. I don't know. It was like, man, your stuff is great. They can't touch you. And then pretty much, I guess that was a kiss of death because then, you know, his appearances from there were, were lousy. Uh, is, do you see anything in Ronaldo? I mean, you've studied him very closely and at a time where there was a lot more reason for hope for Ronaldo Lopez, do you see anything in him that should give us reason for hope that this guy can still be a contributor for the White Sox, even if it came out of the pen, or do you think it's going to have to be uh, somewhere other than the South side? I think at this point, what's best for him is uh, to just find another team. Um, Obviously, he doesn't have control over that right now uh, because of how MLB contracts are structured. Uh, But if anything, they should at least try him in the bullpen. If if they didn't have such a great bullpen right now, I think he'd be there already uh, because he could just kind of use his uh, fastball, curveball, slash slider really well in that uh, sort of instance. Um, But I can't – once – it happens with every pitcher, but to a lesser extent, the really good ones, when they go second, third time through the order, he just throws his fastball so straight and his curveball isn't consistent enough um, that it's just, it's just much easier once you already see it in a game uh, to just hit it. Uh, so at spot starts, I think he'll be fine. I think uh, as a, I guess, technically seventh starter on the team, I think that's fine. It's just after that, it gets kind of more iffy. Give me your gut take on their thinking with Arnaldo. The, the company line was, we don't want to mess around with him as a reliever yet. We want to keep him stretched out. And I understand the back of the White Sox heads has to be, well, we may actually need a starter. So we need somebody stretched out. Is that just the company line or is it a matter of we need to sort of get this guy out of here? We need to get him out of this clubhouse. We need to get him back in the Schaumburg space where he can tr- just try to reset himself. I, I think he does need to reset himself in general. Um, but I, it, so Dylan Cease, this is his third go around with this, like third go around with the Sox in a season, but he's never pitched a full major league season. Michael Kopech has never pitched a full major, major league season. Um, obviously Garrett Crochet, same thing. Um, but they just have a lot of starters that just have not pitched full major league seasons. So that's why Reynaldo Lopez's best spot for the White Sox team is that starter when Dylan Cease maybe loses a mile or two come August, or if Kopech uh, isn't built up right by August, uh, something like that, um, then he can at least step up and get some innings. And then 
if they make the playoffs, then it's uh, obviously their top four guys, and then that's it. But he's definitely he's definitely not a starter because he should be. Um, he's a starter because they need him to be. This is going to be a bit of a gumball in a jar guess question for you, Darren. But the White Sox added no starting pitchers this year. Uh, they signed no starting pitchers this year. Technically, they didn't even add a pitcher because the trade they made was for a guy who was going to be in their mix and Dane Dunning for a mm-hmm. better pitcher in the mix uh, at this moment, Lance Lynn. Roughly how many pitchers out there, whether by trade or signing, would you have said the White Sox could have or should have added to this current mix of starting pitching? Yeah, well, uh, assuming they they still trade for Lance Lynn, I would have signed one more arm and maybe because at some point, uh, if you if you if you aren't if you aren't going to be in the starting five, uh, you'll go to Detroit or Baltimore to actually prove your worth. So you get paid in the following off season. So I don't uh, knock them that much for that, but they definitely should have signed more guys because because. <laughs> Um, like Mike Wright and Alex McRae, if anybody actually knows who they are, they also have major league starting experience. Um, but they, if they're starting a game, then don't bet on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, and, and to your point of, yeah, you know, the guys are going to go and they're going to, they're going to want major league reps so they can play their way into a contract. That's just not a one year to one year to one year, but there are also those guys who are maybe further along in their career and okay, they've lost their effect. Now say the Gio Gonzalez type, and that didn't work out yeah. last year, but there is a, a definite segment of pitchers out there who are going to not only, okay, they're going to jump at a job, but oh, let's say they don't have to jump at a job. Maybe they got three offers out there and they are going to choose the white Sox over Detroit, even if it's not necessarily fully guaranteed because uh, you're going to want to play with a team that has a chance to go somewhere. The White Sox have tried to battle themselves in this position where they can be attractive to a team, for, to a player who says, hey, listen, I want to be with this team, not just with the opportunity you can offer. The Sox have had opportunities to burn for, for basically a decade now. Um, so it is unfortunate they couldn't turn maybe one of those guys. I'm guessing there was one out there who would have said, oh, hey, you know what? I just want to be part of this. You know, again, a, a, a geotype situation where then even if that person is willingly at the alt site now, they know they're the first guy up, maybe a Clayton Richard that they tried to, you know, like pull last year. Mm-hmm. He was the yeah. insurance, insurance, insurance guy. Um, just to have somebody there where, what if Ronaldo is not putting it together at the alt site? That's, that's certainly not beyond comprehension. What if Rutherford is taking him 400 feet? If that's the case, well, holy cow. I mean, what? Yeah, I mean, that'd be a huge difference if those guys showed in April. Um, obviously, they are playing games this year, unlike last year. I don't I don't know if they'll be televised or not. But if you start seeing that and they start hyping up some people, that'd be great. Um, but it's also just that starter depth that we all expected they would have in 2016 just didn't really materialize. Like some guys are gone. Uh, Jimmy Lambert is always hurt, so we don't really know. Um, Jonathan Stever was moving up the chain, but obviously the pandemic season kind of ruined that. Uh, Cade McClure also had an injury. Connor Pilkington hasn't looked as good as we wanted. Uh, and obviously Cody Medeiros is in the bullpen now. So it's I mean, just that depth isn't, isn't where it was, where, or where it should have been really. Yeah. Not to harp on it too much, not to be negative. And, you know, I know, I know all of, um, all of Sox fandom is erupt or some of Sox fandom has erupted because they lost a game. They lost the opener. You know, it's still, we're talking Friday and, you know, let's not panic, but seriously though, again, not to be negative because this is a great team and this team can definitely aspire to the playoffs. Starting 26 is really good. 
Absolutely. And, but, but, you know, if there is any sort of significant issue, even with performance, not to mention injury, there is going to be panic in the streets because there, there isn't anybody. So if the, anybody is Ronaldo Lopez, okay, well, that's going to trigger panic. You can't just snap your fingers and make a deal, or you think the White Sox have already done that, or they're going to be over a barrel. Um, you just don't like to see your team that thin. And again, that's not being, it's not being negative about it. Yes. If there is no problem at all and everybody gets their 32 starts. Wonderful. This team's going to win the world yeah, series. That'd be great. It's not going to happen. And that's the thing you'd think that a front office needs to prepare for, but okay, we're getting into off season stuff. So let's, <laughs> let's just chat quickly here about, I guess the battle between if there needed to be a, a short man, uh, uh, right armed, a right-handed uh, short man. It looks like it's coming down to Zach Birdie, uh, who did not have a good spring and really didn't have a good uh, audition, uh, aside from maybe his very first outing with the White Sox last year. And uh, Tyler Johnson, who it seemed to get some whispers that he might have been that 13th man. I'm not sure where that was coming from, whether it was TJ's reps or what, but uh, it did seem to be like he was more on the short list for that uh, spot than maybe even birdie. How do you look at that? If, if the need arrives or do they necessarily have to go for a, a righty to, to come up with something that needs a blow? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, it, it, depending on who gets hurt, it could very well just be Reynaldo Lopez is the first pitcher up no matter what, um, unless it's a lefty, then you look for the actual lefty. Uh, but in terms of Johnson and birdie, I've been a Johnson guy for a while. Uh, he has really moved up the chain. His uh, rookie season he walked a bunch of people. He fixed that problem. He's still striking out a lot more than uh, uh, Gaia per nine. Um, the only reason why I don't think he was up in 2020 or quite frankly, even 2019 is because he got hurt spring 2019. So he's just working. He was working back from that. Um, then obviously no minor league season last year. Um, but I, if, if they're looking uh, to make a big splash and just see what their top guys have, it should be Tyler Johnson because Zach Birdie, since his Tommy John surgery, just hasn't been the same. He still throws it pretty hard, um, but I don't think he's thrown it 99, 100 like he was. Um, and his breaking stuff just not has, just hasn't been able to translate to the higher levels that he's pitching at. Um, I mean, that could obviously change because he hasn't pitched a ton because he's been hurt and is usually hurt. Uh, but Tyler Johnson should be the guy that has the inside track. If uh, like uh, someone a little bit more important, like Liam Hendricks get hurt, gets hurt. And then you have to find another potential late inning guy. Yeah. I'm with you on Tyler. Maybe that's just because I've been reading you for so long, but I think he's really gotten, um, he gets sort of a hard uh, rap. I think he gets, he gets lost in sort of these righty arms and I don't think he deserves that. There are guys who have sort of had their shot or maybe injury has given uh, a trouble. And obviously Johnson's run into the same situation, but uh, hasn't, he hasn't really gotten the, the the chance that some of the other guys have. I think he still should uh, yeah. be more highly regarded than, than I yeah. guess he really is on, on the White Yeah. Sports. And I'm at on MLB.com. Um, I, I, I think Jimmy Lambert is back to being a starter. So Tyler Johnson is the highest rated reliever that they have. Um, it just, he just really got hurt at the wrong time. Um, and not obviously not his fault uh, with the pandemic and uh, no other minor league season, but he looks like he was going to be on the team in 2019. Let's talk about a few guys or guys who are not uh, at least listed as of now as being at the alt site. 
The first one would be Nick Williams, which I believe you speculated before we went on, uh, would indicate that he has indicated or he has opted for free agency when the White Sox chose Billy Hamilton over him, despite having, I think, a pretty decent spring and doing about the best he could have with the opportunity. Uh, Is that something the White Sox uh, regret? Uh, They must have known what was going to happen if they cut Williams. I don't think that would have come as a surprise to uh, to the team. Uh, Does the decision, what, what is the thinking behind the decision of Hamilton over Nick Williams? Um, I'm, if, if it's just that binary choice, it should have been Nick Williams. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I think they like the defensive defensibility from Billy Hamilton a bit more. And they like uh, the like Collins Mercedes uh, roster flexibility because they still have options. Yeah. Uh, so if they need to be sent down, they'll be sent down. No one can claim them. Um, if they, if Nick Williams is up, does well, and, they have to send them down. Somebody's probably going to claim them. Claim them. So it probably just comes down to roster flexibility. Um, but yeah, I think he had a over 800 OPS uh, in spring training. Um, obviously, I remember Jacob May. He had a great spring. Didn't work out, but he really looked good. He looked better than a lot of the like a lot of the guys we've already been talking about, like Rutherford and Luis Gonzalez. Yeah. So I thought he was going to make the team. Um, obviously he didn't and yeah he's not on the alternate site I'm not sure if he just uh, if the Sox just don't have him on the alternate site and officially optioned him to Charlotte or Birmingham or something like that or if he did uh, decide to go to free agency but I would have preferred to have him uh, than Billy Hamilton because at least he can pinch hit and maybe get you a run in the spot that you need well Nick, if this podcast helps keep you with the White Sox, please reconsider. <laughs> please go to the alternate yeah, site because we could use you. You 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 did impress. Uh, other names uh, that are a little surprising to you that maybe aren't showing up as of yet, at least, on the alternate site with the caveat that it's likely means that they're probably at Camelback as sort of starting phase two of spring training. Yeah, I thought they would give Jake Berger and Mike Rodolfo, both guys that were at the alternate site last season, uh, at least because they have the 40-man roster flexibility. Yeah. So if they can, if they need to go up, um, they can. Obviously, uh, in Jake Berger's case, it's a much more serious because he hasn't played in a meaningful game since 2017. Uh, Mike Rodolfo, it's just 2019, but it's still years since they've hit. So maybe they're just thinking, okay, just go to mini camp. Um, or wherever they are, and just kind of work on getting up to speed for a full entire season for the first time in years. Um, but I think if if I'm looking at the hitters they have, um, I like Gavin Sheets a bit, uh, but if I want to see if my former top prospects really have something, I would love to see if Mike Rodolfo got a shot. Um, even in a DH spot, if you're mean Mercedes and Zach Collins aren't really taking the role, um, but a bit of a surprise there. Uh, they clearly don't see them as major league options this at least this early on. Um, it, just looking at the roster, it's guys that can actually play right away, um, and they obviously don't think they can play right away. Uh, Darren, you're going to be doing a fair bit of minor league coverage for us this year, providing it gets going. Uh, the schedule has been adjusted so that basically it's just a week of games and one place mm-hmm. every uh, uh, routine, very routine days off. I'm guessing anything mm-hmm. that's postponed, there's not going to probably be any double headers, uh, certainly not makeup games. 
Um, so how quickly do you think you will have memorized the entire um, Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp roster? Oh, the, the amount of times they play the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimps is really, it's really concerning. But I also miss the Great Falls Voyagers, so there's at least one fewer whole entire league to memorize, so maybe it won't be that bad. Yeah, that's true. Uh, that's true. Uh, rest in peace, Great Falls. Still playing, but unfortunately no longer affiliated to the entire league. has gone yep. away in the consolidation, which is a drag, I suppose, on the very difficult nights where there's eight or nine games to cover later in the summer. <laughs> I guess it will be a relief yeah, not to have Dominican the Dominican and Arizona, league. yeah. But uh, what makes it easier uh, does ultimately uh, provide a loss to the White Sox and system because I would figure that you just want more teams and more players, not fewer teams and fewer players. But yeah, I'm not running Major League yeah. Baseball. So we digress. Uh, okay, so I think we have covered what we need to on the alt site piece. It is very good to have you back uh, on site writing and uh, involved in these podcasts as well. Uh, perhaps we'll try to do something that maybe coincides with maybe your monthly update uh, this year to just devote sure. a podcast to that or of course, throwing in on the major league team as well. I'm not trying to just pigeonhole, <laughs> pigeonhole you as a minor league guy because you've done tons of game coverage, et cetera, yeah. for us there. So uh, all those old minor leaguers are on the majors now. Exactly. Come on. <laughs> you've, you've got all the skinny, you know, them like the back of your thumb. All right. Uh, well, Darren, thanks for uh, getting back on and, and joining us other than uh, draft day, uh, draft night uh, last year. Yeah. It's been a while since I've uh, seen you. So welcome back and welcome back to where we originally worked together. Aspiration yeah. Yeah. <laughs> through the the yeah. world tour we've taken. That's also together. been a whirlwind. <laughs> so uh, yeah, thanks for hopping on and uh, and guys, really, I know we're we're very focused on the major league team, and it's a very very exciting season. And the system takes, I guess, less importance as the major league team in that top twenty six. Uh, gets better and better, but there's still a lot of fun that's going to be going down on the farm. A lot of guys to watch because they're going to mm-hmm. be players up in the major league team, uh, there are going to be spots. It seems very clear, especially in yep. the rotation, but uh, yep. you know, there, there, there is good stuff to come. Darren's going to be covering that for us and certainly weighing in on the major leagues as well. That'll get rolling, you know, uh, with any luck at all uh, about a month from now. Uh, and we will probably be checking in with Darren on site and maybe even be a podcast based on what's going on at the alternate site, because I think we're going to want to report on that and uh, yeah. keep people updated on especially what's going with the on games. There. We got to keep Chris gets honest if he keeps trying to sneak it past us that uh, Blake Rutherford is knocking them off of the scoreboard when really maybe, <laughs> maybe he isn't. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe those are Super Bowl uh, scrimmages. I don't know. But yeah, 2019 baseball ball. Yeah, right. So uh, thanks everybody for having this interest. We are devoted uh, very much so, I would say, more than any other site to giving some really, really detailed and fun uh, insight on all the minor league affiliates. And Darren's a big part of that. So uh, appreciate your support there and your interest. I just got through a, a hundred prospect countdown. Nobody else does that. And, uh, you know, I appreciate the folks say, Hey, this is interesting. You know, uh, maybe you think it wouldn't be, but these guys all deserve a little bit of shine and we're trying to give it to them. So, uh, thanks for reading, watching as always and listening. Uh, we will probably be back with you sooner than I even think with another podcast. Uh, but for Darren Black, this is Brett Valentini. Thank you for listening.